Thank you so much, Katie. That was lovely. Thank you. Could you just wave if you can hear me? Just so that I'm not preaching to myself tonight. I have actually preached this message to myself several times today. So um, I, if we haven't met yet, I'm Melanie. Um, I'm married to Stuart. And together we love and lead and look after this beautiful church. Um, I'm, I'm a mummy. I've got two boys, Levi and Asher, um, uh, who I look after, love and lead sometimes. Um, and right now they're in bed, so fast asleep, which is, you know, possibly one of my favourite points in the day. You know, you creep in and have a quick look at them and they're so peaceful. And then you creep out not daring to wake them up. So um, I, I also work for Real Life Church, if we haven't met yet, and I um, look after the young. So I look after the under 18s and what we get up to in the community. So um, this weekend has been such a highlight for me, just seeing so many homes um, get involved with messy Christmas here, the Christmas story. I think the Christmas story has gone out to so many homes this weekend. And, and I'm just praying that love will come down and touch so many households. So we're looking at a series, a Christmas series, which will be three weeks long. It's called Love Came Down, just in case you didn't get that message this weekend on Facebook or from all our videos and everything we put out. The summer series is called Love Came Down. This is week one. We're looking at Love Came Down to the Stable. Week two is Love Came Down to Bethlehem. We're going to look at some of the promises over Bethlehem and some of the promises that God gives to us. And we know him to be a promise keeping God, even when we don't always understand how he fulfills his promises. We know him to be a promise keeping God. And then week three is love came down to the whole world. And we're going to do a few things that weekend. So on the 19th, we're going to be out and about in Sutton Park doing a scavenger hunt. And we're going to take our kind of message, our love out there, which will be great fun. And then we're going to do carols on the doorstep on the Sunday. So inviting our neighbours to come and join and sing with us and Premier Radio and, and get some carols going on. And then on Sunday Night Live, we'll have carols and a message. So I'm super excited about this series because I know that God wants to speak to us. So we're going to get into Love Came Down to a Stable. And I don't know if you have um, fond memories of your first home. I don't know what your first home was like, but, but my first home with Stuart we um, got married in April 2000. Our first home was in St. Neots, um, and we had a flat. Um, and it was a one-bedroom, this is how it was advertised, a one-bedroom flat with study. When we went to view it, the study was a converted airing cupboard, and one of the shelves in the airing cupboard had become the desk, and they'd simply pulled out the other shelves. And you could literally open the door, shove a chair in there, and sit at it and then you had to take the chair out to close the door so I'm not sure I'd have called it a study it was a great flat though to be honest the heating was terrible um, so it sort of had these heaters that were in the wall that blowed hot air out but nothing got hot so I used to call them hairdryer heaters because it was like having a hairdryer in the room and expecting to be warm. Um, we had a kitchen and a kitchen table that if all of you were sat around it, so if 
six of you were sat around it. You couldn't open any cupboards or any drawers. So you had to make sure before you sat down that you had everything out. You couldn't possibly get anything out after you'd all sat down. It was just such drama. So you made sure you had everything out on the sides that you could possibly want or someone might ask for because you wouldn't be able to open any drawers or any cupboards. It had a corridor with two doors on it. One door was to the bathroom and the other door was a cupboard. And it used to crack me up. Sorry, mum, because I know you're on Zoom. But my mum used to always open the door to the cupboard to go to the toilet. And then you'd hear her go, oh, no, it's the cupboard, and then move along the corridor. And Stuart and I used to chuckle, sorry, mummy, we used to chuckle so much. Um, and sometimes when she wasn't there, we used to do it. We'd open the cupboard and go, oh, no, it's the cupboard, just, you know, for giggles. Sorry, mum. Later, I'm going to get told off for this. So that was our first home. Do you know, Jesus's first home was a stable. And so I've got my, my nativity scene. So it was a stable. Jesus' first home was a stable. And I want to just um, tell, oh gosh, Mary and Joseph, stand yourself up. In biblical times, a stable wouldn't have been like this. It wouldn't have been how we understand a stable to be. So in biblical times, people generally um, had a kind of one-roomed house. So you came in at ground level and it would be covered in straw and you'd keep all your animals there. And then you'd have stairs up to like a mezzanine floor that would just come out slightly jutting over where the animals slept. And that's where you would sleep and that's where you would do life. So when it says that, that he was laid in a feeding trough and with the animals, we need to be more thinking like that. Part of a household, but on the ground floor where all the animals slept. So full of straw, full of hay, but then the inn or the family all, all above on a, on a kind of mezzanine floor. So I want to take a closer look tonight at the stable. I want to invite you all to, to just peer in a bit at the stable. Look at the first home where God chose for his love to come down that first Christmas. See where God chooses to dwell see the people he decides to show that love to tonight I feel like the stable is going to help us um, so I'm going to make some observations the way that I speak is you will probably want a pen or a pencil or a bit of paper or your phone with the note bit open because I will throw out lots of things and some of the things you might think to yourself ah that's got me that sticks I understand that that's just for me tonight and I do believe that God will have something for each of us he'll have something he wants to say something he wants to nudge something he wants to do so my first observation is the innkeeper made room for God and God will make do with any space you give him in your life. And I know it seems strange to hear me talk about God making do, because I think we love to think about a God of excellence and a God of majesty. And we love to think about a God of creativity and a God who is so splendid and so other. I don't know that it feels that comfortable to us to think about God making do. But actually, on that first Christmas, that's exactly what God did. When his love came down and the innkeeper made room, God made do. And he made do with a manger. He made do with, with straw and hay. He made do amongst the animals. He got himself cosy in something that, quite frankly, would be no woman's 
ideal birthing suite. Not in amongst the animals, not in amongst the straw, not laying your baby down is something that animals feed from. That would be no woman's birth plan. There was never on my birth plan when I put it together, my ridiculous birth plan of how, you know, there'd be angels singing as I coughed and gave birth. That there would never have featured that what I needed was an animal feeding trough. What I needed was straw. But it seems that God is more than capable of making do. It seems that God is more than capable of getting cosy in the muck and the mess and the chaos and the noise. And I really feel like that's got something to speak to us about what we're currently going through. Is that what we're currently going through is not ideal, is it? None of this is ideal. I was thinking today, like we have been in this for months and months and months. We've got key workers who are exhausted. We've got families that are exhausted. We've got people learning to work from home and do their jobs completely differently and they're exhausted. We've got people who haven't been able to connect with one another and we're exhausted. And I feel like within all of this, we need to know that God often knows how to make do. He often knows how to look at our situation and go, okay, this is then where we're doing it. I, personally, I think God often delights in the chaos, in the confusion, in the mess, in the mud, because it's there sometimes that he does some of his greatest work in our lives. It's there that we cannot claim that it was me or it was us. It's there that God can really make himself known. So the innkeeper made room for God and God made do with the room the innkeeper made. He didn't say, this is not where I will be born. He said, okay, let's do this now then. I think for Mary, it was a case of, we have to do this now then. So I wonder tonight, will you make room for God? In the chaos, in the confusion, in the noise, in the mess, in the muck, in all that's going on, will you make room for God? Will you allow him to get cosy in your circumstances, in your situation? Will you be like the innkeeper and say, okay, it's not a lot, but you can have this. It's not much, but this is what I've got in my home and in my family. Let me show you a few ways to make room for God. Firstly, one of the easiest ways you can make room for God is you can get saved. Stop. I, like I say this really kindly and I say this with as much grace as I can muster off. Stop putting it off for a future day where your life is in better order, where you've got more time, where it's cleaner, where it's neater, where you are more suitable for God. Stop putting it off, get saved. The Bible's clear for God so loved the world that he came down to save it. And he came down into chaos, confusion, muck. He came down into people who had no time, like Bethlehem was frantic. He came down into that. And he came down to save a world. So you can make room for Jesus simply by saying yes to him, simply by repenting, simply by putting your faith in him. It's the easiest way to make room for him. And if you say to Jesus, this is the room I've got, he will get cozy. 
in the manger, in the straw, among the animals, in, in whatever space you say to him, you can have. Next, sing his songs. So I would say one of the ways we make room for Jesus is we sing songs about him. And you might think, well, that just sounds a bit weird to me. There is something about worship that makes room for God, that when we put carols on, when we put hymns on, when we put worship songs on, we are literally creating a bit of space. And we're just pushing a few things aside and we're saying, in this moment, I will sing. I will direct my heart upwards. I will direct my ears. I will open them up. I will sing words that bless your name, that build up my soul. I have worshipped my way through so many things. I've stopped and gone, this is too much. I can't face this. And I have worshipped through and when you make room for God, he speaks. When you sing his songs, he can communicate directly to your heart. It's why we sing. It's why we're a singing people. So we don't do it because we've all got fantastic voices. Some of us have. Sometimes I mime along on Sunday Night Live and pretend that Phil's voice is my voice. I'm just saying it. Like I sometimes turn her up very loud and I kind of sing along pretending that I can almost sing as well as she can. Do you know what? To God, what those songs do is they give him access. They cause us to stop. They cause us to look up and then he gains access to us. When we make room through song, when we make room through truth, it not only honours his name, but it does something to our souls. It helps get our perspective right. It helps us make a way through things. And, and I think sometimes we are so busy trying to sort stuff out, work stuff out, that we forget that worship is our way. We forget that worship is our way through like almost anything. I literally can't think of a circumstance where I would put on a worship song and I wouldn't be able to somehow navigate a way through. Even if it was, I just reached the conclusion that you are God and I am not. Even if that's it, sometimes that's my way through. Sometimes that is how I make it. So make room for him. Buy the Rend Collective album. Buy any of the Christmas albums. Get some Hillsong in your life. Get some Elevation Worship in your life. Get some real life worship in your life. Get Neil's song on. We will get that link out. It was not a silent night. But that, that line has ministered to me over and over again. But there are lines in songs that will literally allow God to speak into your life. Next one, read his story. So get your Bible open to the start of Luke, to the start of Matthew. This is the Bible I read with the boys. Um, not that my Bible looks any more grown up than this. I don't know why I bothered saying that, but my Bible's got a great big owl on the front. But this one I read with the boys. We read this with the boys. So the Christmas story can be found at the start of Luke and the start of Matthew. But there are also loads of other great storybooks out there with the Christmas story in it. Like things like the, the tale of the three trees, this absolute beauty, um, a very noisy Christmas. Um, this one here, Jesus's Christmas party. And you might be thinking, man, these are all kids books. 
I tell you what, I have read through these books every year with my boys, The Christmas Promise, and God has spoken to me out of his story. The Storyteller Bible, the Christmas story in here is lovely. There are so many great books out there with his story contained within it. And again, what his story does to our lives is it makes room for God to speak. It makes room for God to challenge us. It makes room to hear his voice. It makes room to get our, our hearts back on track and our heads back in gear. It stops us thinking it's all about me. When you read the Christmas story, there's, there's perspective that comes. So when we make room for God, he comes in and he takes whatever space you give him. So if you say, I'll give you five minutes in the morning, he'll take it all. If you say, I'll give you 10 minutes, 15 minutes. If you say you can have my last, this is what I do. So I say you can have my last hour before I go to bed. And if that means I'm up till one or 12, or my husband's groaning now. But if that means that I'm up till then, because you're taking my last hour of the day, that's exactly what I'm going to do. It's the point in my house where everything goes quiet. And because I make room, God speaks. And so I would strongly recommend you making as much room as you can. But whatever room you've got, give it to him. Allow him to speak to you. OK, my next observation is look at who is in the house. So I don't just mean the stable at this point because the wise men came a little bit later on, didn't they? So they weren't really in the stable. They were a bit later on in the story. However, look at who is in the house. Don't just read the story and think, man, that's nice that the shepherds were there. How sweet is Jesus inviting the shepherds in? Cute with the lambs and so cute. How nice is Jesus inviting the wise men in? Look at them, think about them. Think, what do they represent? Why are they there? Look at Mary. I love Mary. I think she's like, she's, uh, for me, she, it, for women in the Bible, she's a rock star. Young woman who was like, just said to God, okay, you can, you can have it all. You can, you can have me. I, I love her. Look at Joseph. Take a little look at who is in the stable. So in the stable, you've got Mary, you've got Joseph, you've got the innkeeper, clearly, because it's his dwelling. You've got probably some of his guests. You've got men and women. You've got young and old. You've got those who are full of faith and searching. You've got those who are a bit wobbly and questioning and saying, should I go for this? Shouldn't I go for that? You've got the outcasts. You've got the educated. You've got those with a great reputation and those with a not so. Like Mary's reputation would not have been ideal that somehow Mary gets pregnant, she's not married, her reputation would not have been ideal. You've got rich and poor. This is where love came down. And there's a snapshot here of a spread of society. It's lovely, to be honest. I think what the stable cries out in a very loud voice is you are welcome here no matter what. No matter who you are, you are welcome here. Jesus himself is so at home with people, no matter where they come from. And his love seems to strip everything away and reveal hearts. And it's, 
It's absolutely beautiful and it's terrifying to be known like this because man looks at the outward appearance, man looks at the colour of our skin, man looks at gender, man looks at the car I drive, the house I live in, the job I do. Man looks at the words that come out of my mouth, whether they're eloquent or not. Man looks at the products that I use, the designer clothes that I wear, but God looks directly at the contents of a man and a woman's heart. His love comes down and just strips that all away. What he's interested in is your heart. What he's interested in is all of that stuff underneath all of the other stuff. He's not impressed by any of the other stuff. What he's curious about is your heart. And what the stable says is, no matter who you are, you can come and you can be in the very presence of God, which like, if I'm being honest, should like upend us every day. It should cause us as Christians to be flat on our faces, down on our knees. But literally anybody is welcome here. That the only qualification, the only way you get through the door is through Jesus. The only reason the shepherds came is because God said come. The only reason the wise men were there was because God said come. The only reason Mary was there is because God said I'm having you. The only reason Joseph was there is because in a dream God said no no come Joseph and he came. We none of us get to be in the very presence of God without Jesus. And I love it, Stuart will often say, like the ground at the foot of the cross is level. The place that we come to know Jesus is level. We all walk in here by the blood of Jesus or we don't come at all. The stable is a cry from the heart of God that you are welcome through my son. You're welcome through Jesus Christ. So I wanna make a few suggestions. Firstly, if you are a Christian, if you love Jesus, make the most of your access. Don't be silly and think to yourself, oh, well, I got this wrong. I've not read my Bible. I've not done this. Make the most of your God-given access. You come by the blood, that's it. You come because Jesus died for you. When love came down, it made a way that will never be broken. When Jesus died on the cross and cried, it is finished. When the tomb was empty, when he left heaven and came to earth and dwelled amongst man, when he laid in the manger, all of those things say to us that the way is made for you to come now. And to be honest, you could... I don't recommend this, but you could stuff up every day of your life and still be welcome. I don't recommend that at all. But the grace of God says you come and you come by the blood. You come through Jesus. And so if you are a Christian, I want to ask you to make the most of your access. To not loiter around the edge of the stable, to not stand outside to not loiter around the edge of church, to not peer in through the windows, but to walk boldly into the presence of God, understanding that you come by the blood. Secondly, I want to suggest that you understand who you are best by looking at God, not by looking in a mirror. You understand best 
your identity and who you are by looking at him, by understanding the truth that is written in the word, by understanding who he is. I definitely understand myself more the more I've got to know Jesus, the more I understand the price he paid, what he died for, what he's called me into. I understand myself better knowing him. And I, and I want to suggest to you that if identity is your issue, if you're thinking, I just don't know who I am, I want to ask you to stop looking at yourself. Stop looking around you for the latest phrase, the latest mantra, the latest thing about saying, I'm worth it. I've got what it takes. Just stop it. I want to ask you to look at Jesus and say, who is he? What is he like? What has he done for me? What does he say about me? What does he say about himself? And then lastly, be like him. So in the stable found in his home was such variety of people. And I want to suggest that we should be like that. If you look around at your life and everybody looks like you, everybody behaves like you, then you are probably not being like Jesus. And I'll let that sit for a moment because I know even when I prepped this, that was hard for me to hear. Because actually there's a simplicity about spending time with people who are like you, like me. There's a simplicity and ease about it. But actually when I look at the person of Jesus, what I see is this openness and community and life that included everyone and included those who were outcast, included the poor, the hungry, included those who didn't quite fit, included those who were rejected by religious leaders and authorities, included those who were sinful, included, just included everyone. And I quite honestly, I love that about Jesus. I love how inclusive he is. I love how big his heart is and how much of a reach that he has. But I need to look at my life and make sure that mine looks like that. I need to look at the photos on my wall and the people I spend time with. And I need to make sure that it looks something like Jesus. I need to make sure that it has variety among it, that it has the poor among it. I don't, I don't honestly think you can love Jesus and not do something about the poor. I just think like that is such a massive thing that burns in the heart of God, the injustice of it all. And this Christmas time, we are going to give away money to works amongst the poor. And we're going to do that unashamedly because that comes right out of the heart of God. It comes right out of the heart of God that we would feed, clothe, educate, make sure that there's a fairness in our world. It comes right out of the heart of God. And when we behave like that, we're being like him. And it's a beautiful thing as a Christian to be like Jesus. So I'm not suggesting that we all go out and do humanitarian works. What I am suggesting is we look at the stable and we look at the spread of people and then we look at our lives and go, do we look like him? Or do we look like everybody else? And that's just, it's a challenge for me. It's a challenge for all of us. And then lastly, my last observation is Jesus was one of us. 
Emmanuel, the Bible calls him. Emmanuel, God with us. So love came down as a baby and arrived as a conquering king, or he came down in flesh and blood. He came down fully human, fully man. And I don't want us to skip over this at Christmas time. I don't want it to be turned into a cute story where we go, oh, look at baby Jesus. Look at his cute little blonde hair. Look at him in the straw. Look at how clean and beautiful it all is. I don't want us to miss the message that he's Emmanuel, he's one of us. And what that means at Christmas time is that my God knows exactly what it's like to be human. That I can't say of my God that he does not understand or he does not know or how can he possibly allow that it means that in my pain, in my suffering, in my confusion, in my disillusionment, my disappointment, what I cannot say of God is he does not know what it's like. I can't remove myself from him. I can't shy away from him because he knows exactly what it's like to be human. He knows exactly what it's like to walk the earth. He knows exactly what it's like to feel pain, to experience disappointment, to suffer. He knows more than I will ever know about suffering and loss. He knows exactly what it's like. And what the stable says to me is that I can go to God with it all. I can go to God with all my pain, all my disappointment. I can go to God in my laughter and my joy. I can go to God in my best moments in my day when I am my best version of myself. And I can go when I am my worst and at my lowest. I can leap for joy when I see him and I can grovel on my knees, telling him how hard it is, how painful it is. Telling him all the things that I've had to process, work through. I can cry. I tell you what, over this COVID season, I have cried more than I've ever cried. I've cried over the loss. I've, I've cried over the amount of loss that our nation and the nations of the world have faced. I've cried over my personal loss. I've cried over Christmas. I've cried over friends who are key workers and I know are on their knees. I've cried over charities that are, are just falling apart because they haven't got the money they need. I've cried over those who are finding themselves jobless, homeless, without food. I've, I've cried so much and in all my tears, I've directed them to God. I've taken them to God. I've wept with him. And at times I've said to him, I know you feel it more than I ever will. And it is a, it's a good place to reach in our pain, to say, I know that you feel it more than I ever will. I know his pain over what our world is going through is greater than mine, way greater. And so I want to suggest that in this season, Christmas time, but also with all that we're going through, that you talk to him that you cling to him and you process it all with him. You tell him exactly what it's like, knowing that you meet with someone who knows what it's like. You meet with someone who understands fully what it's like to be man and understands fully what it's like to walk the earth. 
So in the stable, we find an innkeeper who made some room. And my ask of you is, will you make room for him? We find in the stable that there is a spread, a snapshot of society. That means we can all come, we are all welcome. And what I wanna ask you is, will you make the most of that? Will you come? And will you take a look at your life and think, is mine open? Could anyone step into it? Could anyone come? And then lastly, I want you to remember that he's Emmanuel, one of us which means I can go to him with everything. So if you don't know Jesus and you think to yourself, my goodness, like, he just sounds awesome. I want to know him. I would suggest you very simply pray and invite him into your life. And it's a prayer I prayed when I was 20 years old. I haven't regretted praying that prayer ever. It's a prayer I prayed and I, I told Jesus I was sorry for living my way, doing things my way. And I said to him, I really, I want to go your way. I want to follow you. I want to know all about this love. I want to put my life on my trust. And I gave him some room. And over the years, I have to be honest, he's taken more and more room. And right now, I, I like Mary, I'm like, you can have it all, Jesus. You can have any room you like. Because a life spent following him is a life well lived. So if you want to pray that prayer, if you want to invite Jesus in your life, please do. Please let me know because I'd love to be useful to you and help you in your kind of first steps. If you know him and love him, make the most of that. Make the most of it and, and make sure that love not only affects your stable and your home and your life, but something about it spreads out. So we're going to sing a song with Matt and Phil. Well, I think they're going to kind of perform a song that you can sing along to. Um, and then we're going to come back and we're going to pray together.